Welcome to Wear Who You Are, a podcast that takes the fear out of fashion and holds space for everyone to explore how to connect your authenticity with your personal style. I'm your host, Natalie Tincher, founder of BU Style, expert style strategist, and your enthusiastic friend and safe space of support. I believe that every person has a style and every style deserves a seat. With over a decade of experience working with hundreds of personal clients, I've learned a thing or two about how to help others have a healthy and holistic approach to navigating how to build a wardrobe that reflects who you are. So pull up your seat and let's get started. Welcome back to another Where Who You Are Wednesday. This is, I can't believe I'm saying this, our last episode until next year. It really has been such a wonderful journey with you since I started this podcast in March, and I can't believe that we're on 28 episodes. That just seems so crazy. I've learned so much starting this podcast, and to close out the year today, we have an extra special guest, Reverend Devin Green, who's going to help us explore the concept of connection. But before we get to Devin, a friendly reminder that you have until December 15th, which is two more days, to take advantage of our offer from the lovely Althea Simons, who was our guest last week and founder of Grammar. So you can use code BUBESTIE, that's the letters B-U-B-E-S. T-I-E, and you'll get 20% off on any of her white shirts. I've also included a link in the show notes. All right. I am beyond thrilled to introduce you to our guest today, Reverend Devin Green, more commonly known as Rev Dev, and how I was introduced by our mutual friend as RevDev, is an ordained minister as well as a certified intuitive life relationship and business coach. Based in Portland, Maine, Devin is the founder of The Connected Way, helping people experience more connection with themselves, others, and the divine, and to live and work with connection as the focus and purpose of life rather than money and power. Devin believes that connection is the currency of the soul and that it is our salvation, especially during these challenging times, to reconnect, connect to ourselves, others, and spirituality and whatever feels best. Devin was ordained following two years of study at the One Spirit Interfaith Interspiritual Seminary, but she more commonly refers to herself as a modern minister or minister for the spiritual but not religious. She believes spirituality is experienced rather than understood and sees value in each religious tradition, but believes each of them is simply one way of connecting with the divine, and the underlying teachings of each religion are essentially the same. She believes all religious teachings and practices that are harmful, exclusionary, and dogmatic were developed by humans and are not the spiritual center of the religion, but rather power dynamics. In practice, Devon offers spiritual counseling, custom rituals, workshops, and more. She is a passionate blogger and Instagrammer. I love following her. And she is starting a podcast soon. So this is good practice. She incorporates her personal experiences as well as her professional background as a marketing professional, coach, and consultant whenever it is relevant. Devin's purpose and gift is to help people feel seen, honored, valued, and less alone. Sound familiar? And to live a more connected life. All right, Devin. So an ordained minister and stylist walk into a podcast. Where the hell is the overlap here? <laughs> so many overlaps. <laughs> so many overlaps, as we know from our conversation. You you would be very yeah. shocked, right? So I think people like hear these things and part of both of our the first time we spoke on the phone, I'll tell you, everyone listening, we literally were like, oh my God. There's so much more to talk about. We never met. We actually have never met in person, um, but nope, it never. feels like we have. And we'll give a shout out to our <laughs> mutual friend, Lynn, who connected us and is yes. like, oh my God, you two are going to love each other. And <laughs> she was 100% correct. So Completely. let's talk about this idea of like how we are even overlapped. Um, a lot of it is connection, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So I think, you know, when I learned more about what you were doing, I was so interested because I I'm also, I was interested as a person because I'm also not someone who knows a lot about style or even like considers it that often. But when you, when I learned about your assessment tool and how you work with people and help them to understand their own style, 
it really struck me because throughout my career, even before becoming a minister, I've been so focused on helping people to be authentically themselves. My core values are connection, authenticity, and communication. And so really what you're doing as a stylist is helping people to authentically communicate who they are, which then allows them to connect with other people in the world from an authentic place instead of who they're like supposed to be, but rather from their true connected self. And that's also where all the other connection comes from. Like you can connect with other people more authentically and more deeply and truly if you're coming from a place of being centered in your own authentic self and really connecting to who you are instead of who you're supposed to be or who you want to be or whatever it is. I mean, ideally who you want to be is who you are, but sometimes we can go awry if the ego gets into play and things start messing with us and society is complicated. So yeah, so I love what you're doing with style and with helping people to show up in their authentic selves. And for me, you know, a lot of what I'm sure comes out of the work that you do with clients is that they gain more confidence and not just like false confidence and like, I look like a badass. Hopefully, I'm, am I allowed to say badass? Oh, yeah. You can say fuck badass <laughs> okay, <cool>. anything. <laughs> great, great. Okay. Because I am not a typical minister and I do swear a lot. Um, so I, yeah, so I think, you know, you can look like a badass, but if that's not coming from an authentic place, there's like, there's a, um, like a, there's a gap there. And so it's so important for people, I think, to present authentically in the world as who they are, but that requires that they know who they are and where they're connecting from so that they can connect. And I, th- I think the beautiful lot, thing, um, um, the beautiful thing too, is so we talked, I think the first time we spoke on the phone was the fact that most of you know, I was, I was raised Mormon. And so the idea of religion and God and spirituality were all tied into that. And then on the side where I'm playing in, uh, in my profession is that people equate style, authenticity through clothing in this world of fashion. And it's it's doesn't have to be that way. Um, that's just the constructs that we have been brought up to be in. And so let's talk about how we have those distractors is what I'll, I'll call them. And like you said, a lot of man-made things that are dictating that. How do we start to shed all of that and start connecting to our intent and our authenticity spiritually and then how that will connect to our style? Because it is all it is all connected. It is all connected. And I believe that we are part of the divine. That's part of my belief system. So um, I think in essence, if we connect with whatever we're experiencing spiritually, we also connect with ourselves. Um So yeah, so (laughs) this is a huge question because (laughs) there's a lot there. Uh, Obviously, as you read in my like in my bio, which every time I hear it, I'm like, this is wild that this is who I am, not what I'm doing. Um, But yeah, so I I think that we have the opportunity as beings to connect spiritually through experience not through knowledge. I don't think that spirituality can necessarily be understood because that's like brain and it's not really brain. It's like body feeling experience, energetic. And, um, the things that I lean on the most in terms of learning about spirituality are actual people's firsthand experiences. So near death experiences are a huge teacher for me, mystical experiences that people have, Um, there's all different kinds of experiences that people have, but also we have experiences that a lot of us don't necessarily realize are spiritual (laughs) until we start talking about them. And so that part of us that has those experiences, that's like, whoa, that thing that I'm seeing, I'm feeling really overwhelmed by how beautiful this is. And it doesn't feel like this is totally human, this experience that I'm having. That part of us that's like, hey, something's going on. That's That, I believe, is our soul energy. So I'm constantly learning, but my current sort of understanding spiritually is that we are all connected. 
that everything is connected. We are connected to the grass outside, to the snow that's falling from the sky. We are connected to everything that is happening. And the part of us that is connected is what I call our soul energy or our connected self. And so that is the part of us that is not necessarily human. I know there's so many questions about what happens to that part of us. Where does it come from? What is it? But that's the part of us that I think has the capacity to be in relationship with divine energy of some sort. And um, if we can connect to that place of divine energy, divine connection, if we can connect to our soul energy, that's also where we connect to the essence of who we are, to the truth of who we are. So, you know, you can see children, they, they come out of the womb with personalities. Like you cannot avoid that fact. Like what it's, yes, there's nature and there's nurture. Absolutely. Our environments affect who we become and they can change who we are, but we all have an essence. It's like a spiritual essence. And I believe that that's carried in our soul energy And that's also the part of us that can connect with other people. So the more that we're expressing ourselves, experiencing ourselves personally from that true essence of who we are, the more we can connect with others, the more we're connecting with the divine. It's all connected, obviously. (laughs) And I have a lot of people who ask me like, what, what is that? Like, what is that energy? Or like, how do you know who you are? That's, when I was working more as a coach, which I was doing for about 10 years, uh, I, that was a lot of what I was working with people on was helping them to move away from the people that they thought they were supposed to be, which is who they had become because we live in an individualistic capitalistic, you know, money success driven society. A lot of people move away from who they are, which is what I did. And they become who they're supposed to be. And they lose sight of like the essence of who they are. And I, have found over time that one of the most important things that we can do is to understand who we are as a being and not as a doing. So we spend a lot of time doing. (laughs) We spend a lot of time as human doings. And um, the being part is so important. Like, who are you if you did nothing today? If you did nothing, if you like sat down for the entire day, who would you be? Not what are you doing, but who would you be? Because so many people we ask like, oh, who are you? Like, I'm a mother. I'm not a mother, but a lot of women will say that. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. I'm a sister. I'm a daughter. I'm a friend. I'm a like content creator. I'm a minister. I'm a stylist. I'm a whatever, right? You go to the cocktail party and that's the conversation you have. What do you do? Isn't that weird? That that's the question that we ask people. You know, it's so weird too. And I was having a, I've had a multiple conversations recently about this. And as I've been continuing to explore myself and my being, and I've come into a lot of it in the last, I would say, um, really a new phase of that knowing Mm -hmm. in the last year through um, a lot of the work that I've been doing and, and support I've gotten for myself. And when people ask a lot of times, I say, you know what? Like it's not what I do is a byline, but it, that's not what I mostly bring to the table. Mm-hmm. I and it's we haven't been brought up to learn that these I'll call them soft skills or these these essences of our being are something that we we put on a resume to say I right. am you know, kind, I am, um, love, I am this, those aren't things that we have been taught that those are the, those are the things that you can bring to the table. And that's what has always been so hard for me growing up because I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at a lot of things. I wouldn't say I'm like excellent at those skills Mm -hmm. that we learn, you know, you get graded on in a report card, but I know I'm really good at like loving people. And I know I'm really like, those are the things that fuel me in whatever the act I'm doing. Yeah. And I actually had a really interesting experience filling out your assessment <laughs> because it asks you for adjectives. How would you describe yourself in three adjectives? And I was like, girl, that's a hard one. Like, that's really hard. How do you narrow it down? Right. So, and I think that's, that's who we are is the adjectives. 
And so I have so many people in my life, so many clients, I think in general, there's a lot of people who are like, who am I? And especially after you go through a big transition, like you change jobs, you're in a relationship, you have children, you get an animal, like there's all different kinds of things that you can go through. You lose someone like there's a, and we change constantly. We constantly are changing. And so your adjectives, like who you're like the adjectives that you're driving with may change at points, but I think that that's who we are, right? So people like little kiddos that come come out and are like super ebullient, outgoing, I was one of them, like that's a part of who they are, right? And in many cases, I often ask people when they're trying to figure out who they are, I would ask them, what were you like as a kid? Do you remember? And I mean, obviously, if people are in traumatic situations or had a really difficult childhood, it may not show up that way. But I think that coming up with like a few adjectives is a great way to look at it. And it's really hard to boil down to three. And I actually was like, I wonder if this is what other people experience of me. So I actually posted on Facebook (laughs) to be like, hey, this was really interesting. I'm actually curious what you would say about me as three adjectives. And it it was aligned in many ways, which is good. I mean, for me, that's good because it means that like who I really think I am is who I'm presenting as as well, which is great. But it's not like, who are you? It's not like, what, what do you do? You know, what I do is very aligned with who I am, but it's not who I am, right? So what if we went to cocktail parties, like at our holiday cocktail parties, we're like, who are you? I think that's the new activity. Let's just start doing that. Who are you? Not what do you do? No, I didn't ask that. I actually do sometimes. Like, tell me your story. Like, what are you excited about right now? Right? Mm -hmm. Like, like what's important to you? Right? I also don't do small talk well. So good luck if you get me at a holiday party. Um, Because I'm like, tell me all of the things that are happening for you. And I want the good stuff. (laughs) So yeah. Do you believe in God? Because let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about your relationship with God. Yes. Yes. Do you think God's a and woman or a man? More eggnog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. So I think, I guess we started talking about all of this because it's about getting connected to our authentic self. So I think really understanding who you are, which your assessment does such a good job of asking great questions that are related to that. And so I super appreciate it because it feels like you're really trying to drill down to the essence of who someone is, as opposed to like, what clothes do you like? So it feels like you're addressing people's souls more than their just their bodies, right? And taking bodies into account and like habits into account, but really you're trying to help someone present as their soul, which then helps them to connect with other people which is really what everything is. And I think it's what life is about, is about connecting with other people, connecting with other, it's all about connection. And I think that our ancestors long before capitalism and colonialism and all of the stuff that we've gotten here as a result of, I think they knew that. And we've gotten away from it as we've become more connected technologically, we've become less connected as a society to one another And we're now living in this acute age of disconnection, which is what's contributing to all of the challenges that we are having. Well, and that's where um, I wanted to, you know, go into that because from my lens, that disconnection from yourself is so much of looking outwardly at what's this influencer wearing? What am I being told, you know, is, is the hot thing today? What, what's the ideal body type now? Is it a Kardashian body this week? Is it the, you know, old Kate Moss nineties body? Like what, what is it? And then it's keeping us from connecting with ourselves. And that's where my assessment is really that like, let's boil down to the essence of you. We'll, we'll connect it to the clothing later, but you can Mm -hmm. only connect to the clothing that you're putting on your body. And by understanding what your intent is. And then most of the time, honestly, you don't even need to look in the mirror. You just feel it when you're so connected to yourself. So I just had a client yesterday, we had this experience and we've worked together for a little while. And I was like, we're going to do this practice. Just like, how does it feel first? And everything that just felt right. Number one, she moved in a certain way that felt like I'm connected and I'm giving off this essence of connect with me in this way. So it helped her body language. And when it wasn't 
quite right. It was a little awkward. It was the stuff that actually didn't visually align with her goals either. And she Mm -hmm. could just feel it. Um, So I think I want to talk a little bit more about the, the disconnection and what are some things, number one, you know, you hit on it a little bit of we are so disconnected Two, then what are some practices that we can do to shut it out and connect with ourselves? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the disconnection as a whole is 15 podcasts in and of itself, I think. (laughs) Um, But to sort of the overarching idea, I think um, on the levels that I look at it, and there's also connection to the land, which I haven't mentioned, but I think I consider the land part of divinity but I think a lot of us have lost the connection to the land also. And so there's, there's connecting to the land, which by the way, is a massive practice for reconnecting is breathing outside air is really helpful for people. Um, and also like being by the water, being in nature in some capacity is a super big touch point for some people. I think most people just being by the land, if you can touch something natural, that's not man-made that can really help to reinfuse our energy and help us to connect and recognize that we are connected to these massive networks of interconnection. Like if you are near a tree, you're connected. Yeah. That makes so sense. So much sense for me and how my um, mental connection and presence has shifted so much since now Troy and I, my husband and I are in New York four months at a time. And then we go to San Diego for two months. Mm. And all I do is every day I walk out and go to the ocean. I sit on a bench. (laughs) I like let, I hear it. I don't even go to the beach. I sit on this cliff. I have a book or coffee and it just resets me in this way then that like fuels me and grounds me. So that makes complete sense. Yeah. And there's been studies, I think, I don't quote me on this, but I think there's been studies that 20 minutes a day by the water is like a complete reset. Um, But I think it doesn't have to be water. For me, it's water because I'm such a water baby in general. Like if I'm having a tough day, I go to the beach with my dog and I'm like in heaven. Um, And I also find that water feels like such a spiritual reminder, but there can be reminders in like a tree. Like this morning I was walking with Taco, Taco's my dog. Um, I was walking with Taco and there's all these dead leaves that have fallen. I live in Maine. And so there's all these leaves in the woods, but it had snowed and it was still snowing and the snow had like cupped into the leaves and it was so beautiful. Like the edges of the leaves, the outlines, it almost looked like a cartoon. And it was like, how, how can there not be something more going on than just science? Like, I think science is evidence of spirituality. I think it's, there's no way that this exists without something more having a hand in it. Um, So I think just reconnecting to that also gives us the perspective. A lot of the disconnection in my experience and what I've seen comes from us being really in our heads, which is where our ego space is in my mind. And just to clarify, when I say ego, there's so many different definitions of the ego and understandings of the ego. When I'm talking about ego, I'm specifically talking about the parts of us, the experiences of us, the ideas of us, the ideas that we have that are human, that are not spiritual. And so the ego can absolutely be in service to the soul, but it isn't always. Sometimes it's really in its own game and it's trying to do its best to help us, but its practices are not always beneficial. (laughs) Um, And actually one of the ways that I think it is the most detrimental, even though it's trying to help, is when it tries to help us fit in. And so fitting in, Brene Brown does this incredible podcast, actually, where she's being interviewed on how to fail. And during that interview, she talks about how trying to fit in is the opposite of belonging. And that if we try to fit in, we like go into a situation with the intent of fitting in. So like you were talking about with clothes, like, okay, I'm going into a business environment. I should wear a suit. I'm going to be so uncomfortable. I do not wear suits. It's not my thing. It's not who I am, but I'm energetically going to be like kind of stiff and uncomfortable and trying to fit in 
which betrays my truth of who I am. And accordingly, I've completely abandoned myself and I'm not going to belong anywhere because I'm not even being myself. And so that practice of trying to fit in is a massive element of disconnection that we experience. And I think is one of the reasons that we keep experiencing more and more disconnection, especially like kids, social media, like the bullying, like I'm, it just makes my heart hurt so much because I cannot imagine being that age and trying to be authentically myself and not be completely consumed with fitting in. I was as a kid that age. I was going to say I was before all this. Yeah. So much. I went through hell in middle school and Lynn can actually tell you about that too. Um, But I, uh, you know, I can't even imagine how much worse it would have been. And I think that's what's contributing so much to mental health issues. You know, we're losing ourselves in, in an attempt to fit in we get lost. And then we also lose our connection to the divine, which I believe is where we get our sense of worth. Like we are 1000% whole and worthy all the time. This took me a really long time to figure out, by the way. (laughs) It took me a really long time to find. Like I was a coach, I was working with people, I was trying to help them. And so many of them felt like they were not good enough. And I could not, for the life of me, figure out how to coach them out of it because I was struggling with it. So it was a massive blind spot, but also it's kind of, it's one of the biggest issues in our society. I think that so many people feel like they're not good enough, feel like they're not worthy. And in essence, not good enough means that they feel not lovable, right? And so what really changed for me was connecting to the fact that I am loved innately and inherently by a source of love so much greater than myself that does not care what I do, does not like there, there's nothing that can change how loved and accepted and held and whole and worthy I am. And there's nothing that I need to do to deserve that, which is where there is an immense amount of toxic stuff in some of the religious environments that you have to do this. You have to achieve this. Original sin is bullshit in my mind. Like I, I do not believe that. I think you are all loved. Everybody is loved. And that soul essence that we have remembers that, but we often forget it because we are in this human experience where for some reason we have this incredible capacity to feel disconnected. And what saves us It's so funny when you were reading my bio, it still is baffling to me that I use the word salvation ever because it's so strange. (laughs) Like we don't need salvation. You do not need to be saved. That is not a thing in my mind, in my experience, in my belief system. But I do believe that we can be saved from the torture of being disconnected by reconnecting and remembering the truth of who we are, that we are all connected and plugging in to the love that we have access to. And it's literally plugging in. When I was in seminary, one of my classmates said this, and it resonates with me so much. It's the idea that there's an electrical current like running through the wall always, right? So like you plug in a lamp and you have to plug it in to turn it on, but it just plugs in because there's electrical current. Now let's just pretend there's like no blackouts or brownouts or whatever. (laughs) But electrical current is constant, right? It's always in the house. That is true of divine love. It is always there. You just have to plug into it. And so your question about practices, to me, how do you plug in? Because if you plug in to feeling loved, to knowing that you are loved, to knowing that you are whole and you are complete and you are held, that is where we can soften into allowing ourselves to be full and whole and who we are. And believe me, this is a practice. I struggle with this every day. I do not feel all the time every day that I'm lovable and amazing. I have, there's so much, right? So this is always a practice. So there's a lot of options. Like I said, connecting with nature, I think is a plug-in, right? That's an outlet that we can plug into. I think also for me, guided meditations, listening to things where it tells me that I'm lovable. I love yoga nidra, which is, you know, often like 20 minutes that helps me 
to reset my system because of the specific prompts that you follow that go through your body and reset your nervous system. Um, There's also like chanting practices that I do that I really love because there's something for me about moving energy that really helps. I am not a great meditator. It's just not my thing. (laughs) So um, I, it's something that I'm working on, but things that feel a little bit more active or if someone's guiding me, that helps a lot. And then even just like breathing, like we don't breathe all the time. Like, (laughs) yes, it's what we need for life, but I'll be like having a conversation like I'm having right now. And I'm like, I haven't had, I haven't taken a breath in like five minutes. So, you know, we need to breathe. And so remembering that breathing in and out for five minutes can reset you in some ways too. So yeah, there's so many things. Looking at beautiful pictures. I mean, there's so many things. And also, yeah, for nervous system reset, I don't know if you know this, this was really interesting. I I learned this sort of through my own work with trauma and learning about things like that. There's three, three ways, three proven ways to um, comfort yourself that will actually affect your nervous system. One is like getting into water. So taking a bath floating, I like love floating in the ocean (laughs) and I swim in the ocean all year round. Um, the other is petting a cat specifically. I hope it works with a dog too, but I'm not sure. Um, and then, um, like swaddling yourself. Oh, there's and rocking. So there's four. So rocking also, but swaddling yourself like a baby, I call it burritoing. Like I burrito myself into not a tacoing. really big, not tacoing because you can't have the opening. You know, you got to burrito yourself. I burrito myself with tacos sometimes and he doesn't like it. Um, so yeah, wrapping yourself up in a big blanket. So like if I have, if I'm feeling emotions coming up or if I'm feeling disconnected or something, I will wrap myself up in this really big fuzzy blanket that I have and just wrap myself up so that I feel held as if I'm held by divine love. Well, it's interesting because one of the style personalities, which we're going to get to yours, um, eventually is, is soft. And one of the components of that is that sensory feeling of being held and, and loved. And there's so many times when clients will pull out a big sweater, you know, I call it like the airplane sweater or the comfies. And I'm like, I know I should probably get rid of it. And I always say no, because there is a space. And I just said in the last podcast episode coming into the holidays, which I also want to hit on later, is that there is a time when you need your clothing to feel like it's just wrapping you up like a big, comfortable blanket. And so Mm -hmm. it, it, again, cut out the outside world, disconnect from that and connect with what makes you feel held, what feels good against your body. And what I'm hearing in all of these, these tools is that it's, almost feels like it's going back to, again, basics of opening your senses to receive in all the ways that we are beautifully created to feel. It's like feel nice things against your skin, breathe in fresh air, float, touch nice things, look at beautiful things that are created for us. And when you're opening up your senses, that's when you're connecting to this divine and essentially the divine in yourself to be able to receive all of the love that is in you and that is you and that is connecting to the world and yourself. Yeah, it's so interesting you say that. I had I sometimes get these like intuitive downloads, like just ideas that come who knows where from, right? I think some of them are connected to something that wants me to share things. But I had one a couple months ago maybe where I was either learning about the senses or I was like having a sensory experience and I'm quite sensitive to, to my senses. Like I have a, I can't watch fireworks. Like I really bright lights affect me, loud noises. Um, but one of the things that I started thinking about, because there's always the question in my mind. And I think many, like, what is the purpose of life? Right. What is the meaning of life? What are we doing here? Why are we here? Right. And especially like, why is all this stuff happening right now? And where is it headed? You know, we are living in a very challenging time, very challenging time. People are going through hell, literally. And there are definitely spiritual beliefs that this is more of hell and that our heaven is outside 
of like human experience or that we can experience both heaven and hell on earth, right? And so we can have these ecstatic experiences, but also these horrible things that are happening in the world, people being killed. It's just, there's horrible things happening right now. And so being here right now, there's often questions and like my spiritual mentorship clients, a lot of them right now, I work with them monthly and a lot of them right now are like, what the heck is going on? And I don't have the answer. And I'm having that conversation with my teachers and my counselors and people that I'm colleagues with, because there's a lot of questions around this, you know, what is going on? But one of the things that I felt at one point was, are we having a human experience? And this does not at all address what's going on in the world and why everything is the way that it is right now. Um, is, are we here to have a sensory experience? Like, I don't think that our souls have a sense of smell or hearing or taste or touch or, you know, I, I don't know. But I do think that there is a huge capacity for us to experience in these bodies, in these bodies that are built with senses that are incredible. And don't get me going down the sexual road with this because there are incredible things that we can experience in our human bodies. There's also incredible trauma that we can experience in our human bodies. But I wonder if, you know, this experience is teaching our souls something or allowing our souls to have an experience that we couldn't have in the spiritual realm, which is really cool. So anyways, tangent, but you're talking about senses. That is really cool. And I feel like we are meant, we are meant to feel them. Um, I want to hit on that idea going, I'm going to back up a little bit. Something that was just percolating in my mind. Um, Again, connecting this idea of style, connection, spirituality. Um, You talked about religion and we talked about churches. And again, we all, we know I was raised Mormon and Mm -hmm. it, and you talked about this, all the things you have to do to be accepted into this world. And again, fashion, all the things that you have to do to be cool and accepted Mm. in like the cool kids. And, you know, my own experience on both realms. And it's interesting because it's like, we're coming at it at a different side, um, was the minute and when I spoke to my father and told him I was leaving the Mormon church, one of the things he did ask, I said, I just feel more stressed out trying to check all the boxes of what I'm supposed to do. Mm. And it's then I look at fashion and my relationship with it of not being like the, the coolest person in the coolest clothes. My mom wouldn't let me wear tube tops and all the things that all the the girls were wearing mm-hmm. and how, but also that ne- wasn't necessarily me and what I felt amazing in. And so it was me trying to sneak out and wear those things that to fit in. And the minute that I said, fuck it, <laughs> was mm-hmm. the first moment that I started to get a semblance of connecting to myself and actually eventually changing my relationship with divine and divine self. And um, I think I told you, I, I read Miguel Ruiz in that idea that we are the divine person. We are mm-hmm. our own God or goddess. And all of these religions are basically speaking to the divinity in us. And that changed so much about me. And and it didn't change in a moment, but it was that moment that I'm like, no, this whole mission I have is to, like, who is Natalie's authentic self? it changed how I dressed even within my profession. And that's Mm -hmm. been an evolution of, I used to dress to be like, okay, I need to look like a stylist. So people think that, you know, I'm going to, that I'm this certain way. And now I'm like, no, 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 I need to look like Natalie. I need to look (laughs) like Natalie because Natalie needs to show people that I can walk in like this and you can walk in in a different way. And as long as it's yourself, then that's perfect. It is perfect, whatever it is. It's not about what this world of fashion is telling you is cool or on the other side, religion. It's like the minute I stopped trying to do these perfect things is the minute that the most beautiful people came into my world too, because I was enough because I felt like I was enough too. And I wasn't trying to be friends with the people that I'm supposed to be friends with. Mm -hmm. 
And that speaks a lot to the whole idea of fitting in, right? And also, I think intention, right? I talk a lot about intention in my work and being intentional about what you're doing. How are you putting yourself out there? But like, what's the intention of this conversation that you're having? What's the intention of whatever? So, so for you, it's like, what's the intention? Well, I want to be Natalie. Like I want to be Natalie, right? And my intention is to find my people, Natalie's people, not like, you know, fake stylist Natalie, who's trying to fit in with all the cool kids, but like real Natalie, like I want to connect with the real people that are my soul friends, my soul tribe, my soul people. And that intention in and of itself, you know, you're putting clothes on your body that, that exude that and project what it is that you're trying to project. But also I believe energetically the way that you feel is also putting out a different beacon to the right people and energetically you're attracting the right people, which is amazing. And so I think a lot of what, I can't believe I'm talking about fashion. (laughs) A lot of what fashion does for me, right? And for the people that I see is that it energetically aligns them in a way that really lines up. So you're talking about the feeling that that client had, like, how do you feel in these clothes? That feeling then puts out the energetic frequency that is whatever they're experiencing. And then they attract the right people to them that fit with that frequency. So and you want it to be, I feel like me. And so the first step going way back to the first start of the yeah. conversation is you need to know who me is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because otherwise that imagine, connection may not be authentic. It may not be yeah. the, you know, the right connections for you. Right. Have you had people take your assessment who are confused about who they are? And so is the assessment hard for them? Yeah. So it's a very interesting, great question. It's an interesting place to see where people are coming from after I speak to them and taking the assessment. And a couple of things sometimes will happen. A lot of times they'll know who they are. They'll start to know who they are but then their goals are unclear because there's a goal section then too, because they're just Mm -hmm. coming into a knowing of who they are and Mm -hmm. aren't ready to explore how to then ground in that and propel forward. Mm -hmm. And there are some times where it's a mix of they're answering the questions on who they want to be or who they think they are and not rooted in who they are, which I can relate to. I remember back in the day going to leadership camp and taking those, you know, leadership assessments based on what I knew other people were defining me as, but those people weren't defining what they knew of of me and what I was feeling inside. So it was the the archetype of what I had been prescribed to be. So it's right. very a very telltale and great spot for me to meet people where they are when we talk through their results and if there is confusion of okay, let's start even before the assessment then. (laughs) It's like retake this in a little bit and start helping you just feel who you are. Yeah, yeah. Lens of style. And what is your intent? What do you want to put out into the world? How do you want to be received? How do you want to feel yourself? How do you want to love yourself? How do you want to be loved? Um, Yeah, because it's like you're trying to have them, you want to help them project out into the world their connected self, their true self, the what I call the uppercase self, which is the self that is the soul self or like connected to divinity. That's and so but if they don't know what that is, or like can't decipher between like the ego self that's sort of working in the shoulds, I should show up this way or whatever it is. I just think that's so fascinating. So then we can start exploring. It's like, let's try a sampler because we don't have to have it all solved today. And it's going to continue to evolve. Let's then just start to have to your to what you spoke on is an intentionality behind what you're putting on and think about it more than just, Oh, this is a sweatshirt I put on. Well, how did you feel in that sweatshirt? Who did you connect with? Did you like who you connected with? Did you like how you felt? What did you not like about it? Um, And so Mm -hmm. then we can start to kind of bucket out the things that are, are resonating. Yeah. Um, I want to talk to you then about speaking of, you know, clothing and what you should be. Let's talk <laughs> about the the dress of a of a religious clergy and how you are so exploring weird. that. Yeah, it's so interesting. Uh, it's really interesting, especially because people have such preconceived notions. Um, 
I mean, you can, we can talk about clothes, but we can also talk about like the clothes that you put on your name, like here being called a reverend or a minister is so strange and people have such specific ideas of what that means. Um, so I start with that as like a loaded thing. (laughs) So, um, but then in terms of clothing, you know, a lot of people have expectations around what a minister wears around what a pastor wears. It depends so much on how you grew up, if you were in a Christian family at all, or if you were not, right? If you're not, then I think you potentially even have more preconceived notions because there's not even an idea that there are multiple ministers and multiple types of ministers. And as an interspiritual and interfaith minister, I am of service to anybody of any faith. I do not feel comfortable being of service to people who have dogmatic or harmful or exclusionary belief systems or practices, but I'm really here to help anybody. And so how do you show up physically in a way that is welcoming and also really authentic to who I am as a person? And so even with my ordination and graduation practice, we had our experience, we had, like, we were told when we went through our ordination, which was private, was wear whatever feels like you as a minister, basically. And so people were really different things to that, like really, 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 really different things. There were a few people who were wearing robes, um, but very few of us. And then there were more of us who were wearing something that just felt really comfortable and really authentic to us. I was wearing, um, I wore like a white sort of jumpsuit, like very comfortable soft jumpsuit, and then a purple cardigan-esque bamboo thing that really, for me, purple is a very spiritual color. And so it feels right. And then I actually made myself stoles for both ordination and graduation that I painted silk and did all these things because creativity is a huge part of my myself, but also my spiritual practice. And so I made these stoles and they were kind of like, this is who I am as a person, right? One of them was like this sort of visual of what a soul looks like, like a spiritual soul looks like, just this sort of creative drawing practice. And then one was more like stained glass, like water, That's stained cool. glass water. Yeah. So I made those and then kind of build my outfits around them. And so that's how I ended up in what I wore for ordination. And then for graduation, I had this sort of, I, I had a little bit of like a crisis of conscience because I ended up wearing a, a navy jumpsuit, which felt really right. It felt right for me to not necessarily be in white, but I also got myself a white robe and I put it on like before. And I was like, whoa, this is wild. Like this feels almost too ministerial. Like I, and it was like, okay, well maybe this is who I am, but is it who I am? I don't know if it's who I am. So I ended up wearing the jumpsuit, but one of the things that I really struggled with is that I was concerned about showing too much skin. And I, that was a really interesting thing for me because I was like, but wait, I don't want to be covered up completely, but is this appropriate? Like what is appropriate for a minister? What's not appropriate? And like, just to keep in mind, I, it was not a lot of skin. It was actually my back. I was wearing this V-neck jumpsuit that on the front was a V-neck and on the back, it was a V-neck also. And I was worried that having my back more exposed, it wasn't like super low, but just having my back exposed felt strange. So I was like, should I cover up? Like what? I don't know. It was, but it was really my mind playing with me around what ministers are supposed to look like and not look like. And are they supposed to to be like sexual beings or not? Like, obviously a lot of different denominations have very specific dress for their clergy members. And so for me now, my uniform... (laughs) I don't have a uniform. Let's be honest. Um, I is an extension of what I've been wearing for a long time. I own a very large number of scarves and um, stoles are sort of an extension of that for me. I think stoles are really beautiful and can be really beautiful and can also be very expressive of who we are. 
Um, and for those of you that don't know what a stole is, just in case, a stole is like the ministerial sort of scarf. It's a structured scarf that hangs sometimes like waist level, sometimes longer. Um, and in Catholic and some other religions, they're very long. Um, and so I, they've become a, an extension of that. So often when I'm doing a wedding or something where I'm dressing up a little bit more, I'll wear a jumpsuit. I usually wear jumpsuits also because they have pockets, which is really helpful. Um, so I'll wear like a, a jumpsuit with a stole, but then every day I'm dressing mostly in soft clothes, um, that feel welcoming for people. I often layer and I'm usually wearing a scarf of some kind and like leggings or something that's comfortable, um, sometimes dressier or not. I'm going to share your, uh, style personality results. Yeah, the top, yeah. the top two were soft and relaxed. Mm-hmm. And for those <laughs> of you that don't know, soft is that the number one concern is creating a welcoming space for people to feel like you're the safe person and relaxed is comfort above all. And mm-hmm. more, especially in the place that you're comfortable enough that you're not distra- distracted by your own clothing. So you can make sure you're projecting a space that's cheering other people on and welcoming them into your world. So the two most open, receptive style personalities that are coming at it at two different sides because soft tends to be a little bit more introverted. Relaxed is that more cheerleader, extroverted side. So you're like an ambivert in style. Mm -hmm. But what I love in the space that you're creating is you're helping by your authentic dressing and your authentic self and your authentic style personality, a space that people who maybe didn't have the most positive experience with spirituality and religion can mm. feel held and, mm-hmm. and, and that they have a seat to explore. So mm-hmm. I think that's so beautiful that you have come back to that Rev Dev as just a human and yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that connection. And so I know for somebody like me, it takes away all of that, the fear. And I feel now in a place where I'm I'm more open and excited about exploring divinity in a different way of this. What I've always felt is that I'm like, I think there's something, I feel something. I know there's something. I know that there there's higher powers and vibrations. I now feel through you as a person. And then the way you're presenting yourself, it's all connected to say, okay, this isn't bullshit. <laughs> like I've got somebody <laughs> who can actually, <laughs> can actually, well, you're not bullshit and yeah. you are the person that I can be like, so Rev Dev, um, I'm feeling a little this way. Can you, can you hold space for me to like feel open to just explore mm-hmm. something that I haven't, that I, I did close up for a little mm-hmm. bit because I didn't, I didn't, know that there was a warm, open, welcome space for me to just be met where I am as me. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really important thing for me. You know, I only really wear stoles or things that look like more traditional ministerial if people want it. Right. And so even when I'm doing weddings or if I'm doing a ritual or um, something that is, you know, more formal, I will ask people and be like, Hey, this is what I have. It also is about what are you wearing? Like, I don't want to detract. I want to be something that's contributing to your environment and to you feeling comfortable. And, and so in general, what I want to do is project, and I never thought about this way. I want to project an air of welcoming and approachability, right? And so, and I want to be the person that people talk to when they have really difficult things come up, right? I, you know, I do work with people doing weddings and I work with people on like the positive things in life, but I'm also here to help people move through the really tough stuff, you know, and we are moving through some really tough stuff right now, right? And as a society, but also individually, and so, you know, I, I do the spiritual mentorship monthly with people where I'm helping them to live more connected. Like, how do you put living the connected way into practice? Meaning, how do you intentionally make decisions that are around connection for yourself? How are you managing your relationships, practices, things like that? But then I also do acute pastoral care. So if someone's going through something, I can, you can call me. Like, that's the whole point, right? So I have had a tough relationship with the idea that I'm a minister, but I want to minister to people. 
I want to be the verb of ministering to people, which means being the person that they can talk to when they're having a really difficult time, when they're moving through a sudden loss, when they're experiencing a traumatic experience with their religion, right? So that spiritual mentorship and these acute pastoral care sessions can help people with what you're talking about, like processing religious hurt, church hurt, religious trauma, you know, moving through like, I want to have a relationship with the divine. I want to have a relationship with spirituality, but I'm really triggered by a lot of these things. I want to help people to heal from religious harm and to actually feel connected because I think that's very healing for us now when I think more than ever we need to recognize that we're connected and to have communities, right? So I'm also, I do groups, I do workshops, I do events and things like that, that help people to feel connected to other people who have similar beliefs. Ideally, I'll be doing a lot of stuff in person eventually. Um, But it's also about helping people to move through the really tough stuff. You know, we really honor and do rituals for the amazing things in life, like weddings and babies. Um, But I actually specialize in weddings because I do a lot of work around relationships. I've been a relationship coach for a long time, but I also do divorces because they're really important. So divorces and helping people separate from each other and doing that with intention and care, um, but also moving through that experience because that's a massive transition that we experience. And yes, I do baby blessings, but I also actually work with a lot of people who are having abortions and moving through miscarriages. And so those have some, for some reason, those have become the four that I really help people with, but it's really any transition that someone's moving through. If we can honor it with connection and intention, we heal from that. And so that's also a way that I show up with people. And I think a lot of people come to those experiences, not realizing oh, like there may be someone with some sort of spiritual background that might be able to help me with this, right? Because usually in the past, they might have gone to a religious person, right? And I don't consider myself to be religious. I consider myself to be spiritual. I can come into a situation with religious understanding of some sort, not an expert in any particular religion, but I've been trained in quite a few of them. And so, you know, I can show up for you, but I'm coming at it from a place of non-judgment, caring. There are zero expectations of you and what you do and how you show up and how you engage with these experiences. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm just here to be a safe place for you to land, for you to process, for you to experience what you're experiencing for you to move through what you're moving through. I just want to be a trusted place for people to land and to feel supported. And then I really want to help people to connect to themselves and to live the connected way, which to me means living with connection as the destination, right? We are, we're not trying to gain more power and money. Yes. They are very helpful. (laughs) We live in a capitalistic society. I get it, but not at at the expense of connection, not at the expense of ourselves, right? So ideally, we can have both, we can have a balance of like, living well in this life. And I understand that this could feel like a luxury for some people. But I think anybody who's in any situation benefits from connection, no matter what. And so like setting out our day to day, and our longer lives, to connect with ourselves, with others, with the land, with the divine, that is the destination, but it's also the way that we go about our lives. And so that's what living the connected way is. And it also for sure shows up in how we show up physically in the world, right? So like connecting to our clothes, what a concept, right? And I actually, for me, it's so funny. I feel really deeply connected to some of my clothes. Like I can tell you exactly where this scarf came from. I buy scarves everywhere because they're my thing. Um, but like I used to be a sneakerhead and I had deep connection to my sneakers. <laughs> like it was a thing that I loved, right? And like hats and jackets and gear. And and so I feel connected to my clothes and even the things that I like wore to get ordained and for my graduation, they have such deep sentimental significance for me. And so I feel connected to my clothes. They elude something for me. Like they elude, 
they exude something for me. <laughs> That's the word I'm looking for. Um, so it's really important for us to feel connected to who we are through our clothes as well. From and, what you're and wouldn't the environment um, benefit if we all felt very connected to our clothes and we weren't looking at them as something to fit in and then throw away to bring it yes. back? I mean, when you feel connected to pieces and I have clients, it sounds like you too, that would say, you have to pry this from my cold dead hands because it's something that I bought and I love and I'm so connected to. I mean, all the things would be nicer and kinder to all the things if we were truly connected. You know, yes. capitalism wouldn't be as icky as it is right now. If we were connected right. more to humans, we would have living wages. We would think about the impact that, you know, CEOs wouldn't be taking the multi-bajillion dollar salaries and leaving their workers in the lurches. Right. I mean, there's so much that just kind of to wrap it up here and bring it all together is that this connection really, if we could connect to ourselves and then connect to others, wouldn't we have just a kinder, more beautifully authentic world? Yes, <laughs> like, absolutely. This is my whole purpose, Natalie. That's yeah. why I'm here. <laughs> yeah. And actually to the point, I just want to make a quick point about what you just said about um, consumerism, uh, which I think is really important. And I think you and I have talked about this, but maybe not. I have had a really interesting experience with clothes in my life and with consumerism because I have not always felt super connected to my body. And so I then don't always feel super connected to my clothes. And I'm like, okay, do I look okay in this? Do I not look okay in this? And so I haven't always invested in pieces because my body does change, but also feeling disconnected from my body and not feeling great about my body means that I'm not often buying clothes that I feel really good in. And so then accordingly, I'm not treating those clothes very well or they're cheap clothes that I'm, you know, and I hate that, but it's true. But one of the things that has changed my experience with that pretty drastically is I went to a workshop years ago and I was doing this meditation and I can't actually even remember if it was something, I think it was something that the facilitator of the workshop said, or it was something that came through in a meditation. But the idea was, this is the body that your soul chose for this lifetime, which is mind-blowing. What if you chose this body? And even if it's not the body that society tells you is the perfect body, it's your body that your soul chose for this lifetime. We don't know the reason necessarily, but that changed my relationship with my body. And now that I'm thinking about it, I think really changed my relationship with clothes also. Because it was like, okay, enough of like buying stuff that I don't like and enough of treating, you know. So I think that really can help people connect to their bodies. And like you've said, then connect to what feels good for them and find pieces in their closet that feel like them. Like actually, because it's holiday season, there are holiday parties. <laughs> there are things Correct. happening in the world. And you know, it's, it's cooler. There's so many different holidays that happen this time of year, you know, pretty much every religion is experiencing a different tradition. Um, and I, I guess it'd be really interesting to challenge your listeners to consider what if your soul did choose this body for your experience here? And can you find clothes for your next party or your next gathering, whether it's holiday or not, that feel like your soul wants them on your body because this is the body that they chose. This is your wear who you are challenge. It's your soul style. What is your oh. soul? Yeah. What is your soul that chose that body? What is it saying? If we took out all the brain ego stuff, that's like, what, what lets your soul soar in your style? Yeah. And if you go to church or to synagogue or to mosque, obviously there's different requirements in general, but can you feel at home in your body and your soul in your spiritual context? 
Like, how can you make what you wear feel like yours and really you? I yeah. love that. I love that yeah. challenge. I think that's a great thing to end on is that <laughs> RevDev gave us our Wear Who You Are challenge, which I love. Um, I also, Natalie, can I mention that I'm offering, um, I have an offering for winter solstice. So I, I specifically feel most connected to pagan celebrations. And so winter solstice, although I am, I do celebrate Christmas with my family, like that's my secular holiday. Um, I, I celebrate winter solstice. And so every year I offer a gathering, a ritual that I do virtually. And it's on the 19th uh, from 7.30 to 8.30 PM. It's online, it's on Zoom. And it's really about honoring both the dark and the light, which during these challenging times is even more important, I think. And so uh, I sent you the link. I'm sure you can include it. Yeah. So, why don't you and, share that here yeah. too? Just um, we'll put yeah. it in the show notes, but share how everyone can yeah. connect to you. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you can connect with me at theconnectedway.com. <laughs> and I'm also on Instagram as revdev underscore modern minister. Uh, or you can just search for The Connected Way and you'll find me. And then for the events stuff, it's www.theconnectedway.com backslash events. And so there's a couple, there's one in person. And so if you happen to be in Portland or in Maine, there is one that I'm doing in person on the 20th, but the one that's virtual for anyone anywhere is on the 19th. And it's also recorded if people want it, but it's it celebrates all of the holidays that we have going on, it really honors them and how they're all connected, but also how do we connect with the real spirit of the season and this changing from the dark half to the light half and the light coming back in, but also honoring the darkness that we're experiencing in the winter times. So, and, yeah. and I think, I think about myself and, um, the holidays can be hard if you've, I've lost oh, yeah. both my parents and, or whatever your relationship with is with, your family or this time of year. And I think that's a beautiful way to ground yourself and connect with yourself, potentially going into experiences that could be a little bit difficult for you. Yeah, um, absolutely. And helping you to find the connections, you know, finding the, the things that really do matter to you. Because I agree. I mean, even, you know, Christmas time for me is really a lot. And so this is, an experience that I do for myself that's about feeding my soul and not just like the human busyness, but like in inside of me, it's a really intentional time. Yeah. Beautiful. And then going into the new year, also having intentions, which I have a separate workshop that I offer. Um, it's on uh, January 7th this year. That's about setting sacred intentions. I don't believe in resolutions. I not believe in intentions. And so how do you be intentional about your year forward? So allowing yourself to really be in this darkness of the season and then, you know, trying to start moving into the new year with intention. So, yeah. And that all helps us connect. Exactly. Yeah. We'll set yeah. reminders for all that too. Um, yeah. And just thank you so much. We have so much more we can talk about. I think so Rev Dev needs to be a, a reg. <laughs> um, so any questions, you have, anything that this brings forth, we haven't even gone into other aspects of, you know, religion so and religious clothing, which I think sometime mm -hmm. we'll hit on, on either your podcast or mine. Yeah. Lots of, lots of beautiful things, but it all starts with connection. And remember the first step to wearing who you are is connecting with who you are and that big capital S self. I am sending mm -hmm. all of my wear who you are listeners all of my love and gratitude this holiday season and into the new year. And I'll see you next year in 2024. Thanks for joining another Where Who You Are Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. Be sure to follow along for episode news, updates, and other bonus style insights on Instagram through my business account at BU Style. That's the letters B, U, and Style. Or my personal account at Natalie underscore Tincher. And don't forget to subscribe to Where Who You Are wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again. See you next time.